Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Next, on the OHIO podcast, we talk about the coaching carousel that's happening at Ohio State. Plus, we discuss the NIL and whether or not it's ruining college football. And that all begins right now. It's easy to be average. You know it as well as I know it. It takes a little something to be special, Don. It takes a little something special to be a great player. We don't have enough great players. To hell with that! We don't want to coach average. I don't want to be around you. Why be around average? Be proud of our young people in the classroom, in the community, and most especially in 310 days in Ann Arbor, Michigan, on the football field. Three things. Number one, the team that hits the hardest and the longest, the team that starts the fastest, and the team is too damn smart to make mistakes. If you take it to them, if you don't make mistakes, and you keep taking it to them, hell, there's no question who wins. Buckeye Podcast, by fans, for the fans, where they hate that team up north as much as you do. It's time for the OHIO Podcast. OHIO! Welcome back to the OHIO Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Buckeye Boggs, recording live from a chilly north central Ohio, where I am joined by both Chris Wilds and Aaron Brown. How's it going down in the deep, deep heart of Texas there, Mr. Brown? Going well, man. Can't complain. 70 degrees. <laughs> That's all I got to say. 70. At this, at, at this point, it's not even funny anymore. Chris, <laughs> I know you're enduring this uh, beautiful December with me. He, you know, it is. It is. It was 40 degrees. It today. actually isn't bad for December, no. Eric. You know, no. not 70, it's a little, but... little wet, you know, a little wet outside. But I mean, it's not snowing. The temperatures haven't been too bad. So, nope. nope. And I gotta, I gotta, I gotta admit, Chris, I'm sure you're getting excited about uh, January one coming up because, well, DraftKings is going to be coming to Ohio, Chris, and uh, all the other online uh, apps for uh, betting here in Ohio. Are you uh, getting a little excited, my man? All I know, Eric, is is that it seems like the more we talk about this, the more I'm checking my inbox and people are sending me an 800 number. You're giving people the impression I'm a compulsive gambler. Yes, I enjoy a little, a little wager now and then. <laughs> a little wager. <laughs> Last time so, I, I wagered, I, it didn't I go get so those, well. Uh, you know those parlays going and uh, you know, try to hit the big money. Doesn't happen too often, but you know. Well, 
calling Chris and all of Ohio sports fans in just a few weeks. DraftKings Sportsbook will be live starting January 1st. You'll be able to bet on all your favorite sports from the comfort of your own home with DraftKings. To celebrate, all new customers will receive $200 in free bets when you sign up today using code OHIOPODCAST. Plus, five lucky customers will win a $100,000 free bet. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code OHIOPODCAST to get $200 in free bets to use once mobile sports betting hits Ohio. Plus, five customers will win a $100,000 free bet. That's code OHIOPODCAST only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem, Chris? Call 1-800-589-9966. 21-plus physically present in Ohio. Eligibility restrictions apply. See ter- terms at DraftKings.com sportsbook. Subject to regulatory licensing agreements. One per new customer. $200 issued as $825 free bets. No purchase necessary for sweepstakes. Use uh, void where prohibited. Ends first day DraftKings is allowed to operate in Ohio. See terms and official rules at dkng.co slash oh. All right, guys, we've got some uh, news to talk about. Um, the OC and tight ends coach Kevin Wilson, who has been at Ohio State now for, I want to say, since 2016, I believe it was. Yes. Um, Aaron, if you if you recall, we have a funny story about Kevin Kevin Wilson, and uh, uh, I, I can't help it, but let's go ahead and share this. But uh, Kevin Wilson's going to be heading to Tulsa as the Golden Hurricanes' uh, new um, head coach for them. But he was the head coach at Indiana before he was fired, in my opinion, wrongfully fired, because a couple of their current football players couldn't take a little tough love. And Ohio State gobbled him up right away. He has been the OC at um, – he was the OC at Northwestern for a while. He was the OC at Oklahoma, was very successful there before becoming the head coach at Indiana. But 2016, Aaron and myself, along with uh, some mutual friends, we all went to Ohio State's opening game that season, which was in Bloomington. And I made a sign <laughs> – <laughs> that said, thank you, Indiana, for firing Kevin Wilson. He has fixed our and offense. Signed, um, <laughs> who did I sign that by? It was Urban uh, Meyer. No, it no. was the quarterback, wasn't it? I, was it? Was it JT? Yeah, JT. I said sign JT Barrett. That's right. In a big picture of him. And it is what, like the fourth quarter or so, beginning the fourth quarter when it got out of hand. And Indiana fans are starting to leave early. And I turn up and turn around and hold this sign up as they're leaving and leaving the stadium, (laughs) thanking them for firing Kevin Wilson. And um, let's just say some people got the joke. They laughed. Others didn't appreciate it at all. Uh, Dude, my favorite was walking into the stadium. (laughs) I don't know how many – how many people cussed at us and just shook their head or looked at us in disgust? Like, <laughs> that was the fun part to me. <laughs> and we weren't allowed to have a sign in the stadium, but I held it. I, like, tucked it down to my jeans. 
And the person at the gate was like, um, you can't bring that in. And if you recall, game day was out on the field before the game. Yep. And our buddy Carl was like, oh, no, 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 no. We need to take this in for game day. I'm personal friends with Kirk Herbstreet. Yeah. And they go, <laughs> the, the, the usher, Chris goes, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's Kirk Herbstreet's childhood buddy. <laughs> yeah. All right. Oh. Carl. Why do I, I thought everybody knew Carl. <laughs> well, everybody does know Carl. That they have to. Too. That's Carl. It's Carl. <laughs> exactly. So that's my fr- funny Kevin Wilson story. I've always liked Kevin Wilson. Chris, I know you're not, you haven't been as big of a Kevin Wilson supporter as I have. So I'm going to give you the opportunity first, Chris, to respond to the news of Kevin Wilson heading to Tulsa after the season ends for Ohio State to be the Golden Hurricanes' new head coach. And not only your response to it, but how you think this will affect Ohio State moving forward. Well, I'll tell you, Eric, you know, he has kind of grown on me here, specifically over about the last, what, year and a half or so. Um, he, He really showed me, obviously, we've had some great tight ends come through there. Um, but more than anything, when he stepped up, when our previous O-line coach was out, uh, you know, I thought that that showed a great deal of character because he was not only overseeing the offense at that time, but he's also coaching tight ends and the O-line. Um, so, I mean, that kind of versatility, and obviously he has had head coaching experience. Like you said, he's been a successful coordinator under guys like what Bob Stoops. Uh, you said he was Northwestern a while, so, I mean, Fitzgerald. Uh, you know. Might have been before Fitzgerald was even there, to was be honest with Fitzgerald? you. Might have been. But, I mean, <clears throat> he's a loss. He is a loss. He's a, he is a great recruiter, I believe. So, I mean, it's going to obviously have a little bit of a negative impact, I, I think, on Ohio State. Um, now the gentleman we're going to talk about who's filling his shoes, uh, you know, as far as the tight end position goes, I think we're going to be okay there, but I think a lot has to be answered by the, the, who they're going to make the next offensive coordinator. So I think, uh, if they make the right decision there, then, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a bit of a loss, no matter what it's going to affect the culture of the team, no matter what. You know, like you said, he's been there since 2016. Uh, He is the offensive coordinator that all the kids on that team currently know. So there's going to be an effect, but I believe that the other coaches on that staff have the ability to pull it together uh, so it's not a dramatic impact. You bring up a really good point, Chris, in that – Last year when Coach uh, Strudrava went down with his back injury, Coach Stud, and he wasn't available for a large portion of the season, Kevin Wilson filled in as the as the offensive line coach. That That's a very good point and good memory on your part, Chris, for, for remembering that. Um, I, ha- I feel that Kevin Wilson's best asset to this team outside of developing some pretty good tight end talent over the last few years has been the eyes in the sky for Ryan Day. And one could argue that on the tail end of this season, maybe there was some disconnect between he and Ryan Day and what he was seeing and what Ryan Day was calling from the field. Now, we'll never know if they had disagreements or if there was some miscommunication 
or what or what have you, what 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 the disconnect has been at all. Um, neither one of those guys would ever throw the other other one under the bus. They're too professional to do that. Yeah. But there definitely has been an issue on the offensive side of the ball ever since we were on our bye week this year. And but I let's not be re- remiss to acknowledge the fact that Kevin Wilson has done a tremendous job in being an asset to Ryan Day as he transitioned from being OC or being the quarterback's coach and the play caller at Ohio State to uh, becoming the replacement of Urban Meyer and becoming that head coach. And since doing so, I feel that Kevin Wilson has been that veteran presence in Ryan Day's life that has helped to aid in that transition. And so I think losing that veteran presence more than anything for Ryan Day is where we will be affected to mo- the most. Um, but I, I was a little bit surprised that he did get this position at Tulsa. Tulsa is not a bad program. Uh, when it comes to mid-majors, they're one of the better ones traditionally. Now, I do understand that they have fallen on some hard times here recently, but they've still played pretty close to 500 ball and <laughs> knocking on the door of bowl games. But it'll be very interesting to see if he can turn that program around. Let us not forget, Kevin Wilson is the one who started the success that Indiana saw, which uh, I think really – um, climaxed in what was it, 2020, when yes. Indiana gave Ohio State a run for the money in winning the East, and has, has since then now fallen completely apart. But Kevin Wilson was the one who actually built a program over there in Bloomington that you had to worry about. Aaron, your turn on Kevin Wilson, your thoughts, and how will this affect Ohio State? Well, I think you both you both described this loss pretty accurately as far as I'm concerned, because, I mean, you know, we've we've discussed uh, quite a bit the last couple weeks about, you know, the transition period for Ryan Day and, and how we shouldn't be quite so upset about some of the losses and big games that we've experienced. And I, I think that you're right, Eric. I think Kevin Wilson did have a lot to do with uh, Ryan Day's transition and his learning curve. And, you know, who knows what it would have been without Kevin Wilson? You know, you mentioned Indiana and, and what he was able to do over there. <clears throat> well, he's a, he's a creative play caller, you know, and I don't know that Ryan Day isn't a creative play caller, but maybe that Kevin Wilson uh, dynamic helped him be more creative. And I can't help but think, uh, maybe the disconnect that you speak of, Eric, between Kevin Wilson and Coach Day, maybe he was distracted by the interview process with Tulsa, you know, because, I mean, the timeline they release versus what it actually is could be two different things. And, you know, I, I was reading an article. Uh, let's see, who was it by? I think it might have been 11 Warriors. Yeah, it's 11 Warriors. Uh, they, you know, they were they were talking with Kevin Wilson about his process. Uh, he he does plan to stay with the team through the bowl game, through the playoff run. But I can't help but think: is he going to be distracted by what he needs to do at Tulsa versus what he needs to do at Ohio State uh, to finish this season off? So, you know, it's 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 one of those things. I I know that he's a professional, and I'm like you, Eric. I like Kevin Wilson and what he's done here. He has developed some guys. He stepped up. 
Uh, like you said, when Coach Stud was gone, he stepped in and filled in that role. I don't know that that would have been done, you know, and, and we can argue that the offensive line wasn't that great, but name someone else that would have been able to step up as effectively. Right. You know, so that head coaching experience, that's that's a major loss. We're losing, ah, gosh, how, you know, how long has this guy been coaching? That's a lot of experience that you got to find and replace now. I have confidence in the staff, but that's you, you can't replace that unless you go out and find somebody with equal coaching experience. So, you know, it, it's a major loss. No question. Yeah. I'm quickly looking up how long he's been coaching here. Give me one second. It, uh, his coaching career started in 1984, Aaron. Yeah. So, you know, the guy coming up behind him, I don't, I, he might've been in diapers in 1984. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's a loss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and, and I didn't, I didn't know this. He's a North Carolina guy. He, his, uh, uh, went to North Carolina. That's where he, uh, went to college. Um, and that's where he started as a graduate assistant in 1984. So he went from playing from 1980 to 83 for the Tar Heels to being a GA there and worked his way up the ranks. Uh, it was an offensive line coach, mostly coached at Miami of Ohio in the in the 90s, which is interesting, before getting the job at Northwestern as OC. Um, like I said, was Oklahoma's offensive coordinator from 2002 to 2010. Uh, and then the head coach at Indiana for, for uh, six seasons, 2011 to 2016. So, yeah, man, I... I, I there you have it. I feel like Kevin Wilson, his experience is 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 something to be admired. I mean, he's been in to be in the profession this long means you're you're doing something right. You know, you if you're a bad coach, you're going to eventually be let go. <laughs> There's no yeah, way around it. Somebody's going to you're going to get blackballed. If you're not if you're not any good you're you're not you're going to get blackballed. You won't get those second and third chances as an assistant anywhere. And guys, right. there, there is a question here, too, is how is that going to affect any recruits he's got on the hook right now? Well, let's kind of answer that by maybe talking about this next portion, Chris, because that's a very, very good question. Aaron, who are we who's replacing him on the staff now? It sounds like uh uh, Coach Day has already made the decision on who's that going to be. Who is Keenan Bailey? Keenan Bailey is currently the senior advisor to Coach Day. So, you know, he he advises Coach Day on a lot of things. So it sounds to me like he's on more on the offensive side of, the, of, of things as far as like his advising um, role goes. Uh, he's spoken well of by tight ends and wide receivers. He's developed quite a bit of them and, and helped them out uh, with Brian Hartline. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, most notably, so like recently, Cade Stover uh, has given high praise to uh, Bailey for helping him become a pass catcher instead of just a blocker. So I can't help but think maybe uh, what we saw out of Jeremy Ruckert uh, towards the end of his Ohio State career, those one handed grabs and things that he was doing. You know, maybe that was part of what Keenan Bailey was was doing with them. So Keenan Bailey was a recruiting analyst at Notre Dame, which is also his alma mater. Uh, he came and worked with the running backs in 2016, wide receivers in 17 and 18, quarterbacks in 2019. Um, and he also has the recruiting experience, uh, like I said, with Notre Dame. So 
you know, we, we talked about what are we losing with Kevin Wilson? Well, maybe not as much as we think. So this guy seems like he's got his stuff together and I'm pretty excited to see what he can do with the tight ends. So it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a pretty cool thing. So I, I like the idea of them hiring from within instead of going outside the program because this guy has already built really good rapport with the tight ends and wide receivers and I'm sure other position groups. Um, the, obviously, if he's working with Coach Day, the offense knows who he is. So this is a good thing. So, you know, it's it, it, if he started off at Notre Dame, and I understand that their track record in the last, I don't know, <laughs> seven, eight, nine years hasn't been tremendous. But if Ohio State's holding on to him, there has to be a reason for that. So I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen with this. Yeah. So um, Chris and I had the opportunity to uh, interview Jackson Smith and the Jigba's father. And uh, he is known on Twitter as Le Puma Noir, Noir I think, or Noir, uh, N-O-I-R. Uh, he no, just Noir. Noir. Thank you, yep. Aaron. I'm yep. uncultured swine. So I know it's we're getting you help, buddy. It's thank it's you. French. It's French for black. Okay, thank you. Hmm. Um. Anyways, he tweeted out. Uh, I follow him on Twitter, and he tweeted out a thank you to Ohio State. For developing his son and getting him ready for the NFL, he in his tweet he thanked Brian Hartline first, Mark Pantone second, and then Coach Keenan Bailey third before he thanked Brian Day. What's that tell you? Very interesting. Obviously. This man had his, had some kind of hand in the development of his son. So, I mean, if 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 Keenan Bailey was not working with these guys, then obviously there would have never been a thank you there to you know Coach Day, Brian Hartline, Mark Pantone, and Coach Keenan Bailey. So I found that extremely interesting. When I read that now, also, uh, he's been on Twitter a lot and there is no doubt about it. He has hit the ground running as a recruiter and, um, he has had his hand in, in recruiting some of these wide receivers that have been five stars and, uh, 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 Bill Curlick, right? You all know, Bill Curlick, uh, the recruiting expert for Ohio state. Yep. Um, he used to work, I believe, with John Cooper. I think he was the head of recruiting for John Cooper back in the 90s. And he works for um, uh, Bucknuts uh, and uh, 247 Sports as kind of like the Midwest recruiting expert. Bill Curlick tweeted out that Coach Key, Coach Keenan Bailey, has hit the ground running with his recruiting for the for Ohio State. That there has been zero zero drop off, which is probably why I would say he was almost groomed for this moment. Chris, your thoughts, my man? Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm hearing the same thing, Eric, and uh, you know, you guys have really touched on it all, but just to hear such high praise and you hear um what what so many people are saying about Bailey coming out of you know 
as far as what's coming out of the the athletic department. Um, I'm really confident in what he's going to be able to do. I don't think with the tight ends we're going to miss a beat. I really don't. If anything, you know, maybe the pass catching gets a little better. You know, I don't know. It's hard to say, but, uh, you know, it's hard to think that it's going to get a whole lot better than what we've had. I mean, recently we had, uh, what, uh, we've got Farrell and Ruckert both in the NFL right now that came up through uh, Kevin Wilson. We, uh, Cade Stover, you know, he's he's looking awful good right now. So uh, if we can keep that going, and I think this guy can, we're going to be okay. I will say this. There was a, a tight end recruiting miss, and I don't know who gets – gets the fault for this, whether it was Kevin Wilson or Ryan Day, maybe probably both. But whoever decided not to get to go after Jim Lachey's son. Yeah. That was a mistake, dude. A kid, you you got to go after a, a legacy like that. And he's tearing it up for Iowa. Was, yeah, absolutely. You know, he's, he's over there at tight, at tight end of you right now. I mean, yeah, linebackers and tight ends, that's pretty much all they do at Iowa, isn't it? Yeah. And we, and we could have had him, man. Oh, yeah. So I that, think the offering we get him. Yeah, oh, it's 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 lock, dude. It's an it's an absolute lock. His dad works for the university. Yeah. The fact that we did not offer him a scholarship is mind-boggling to me. Um, I understand he was only I think a uh, what was he a low four-star, and he was ranked second in the state at tight end. I don't care. You take that guy. You take both of them and say. Whichever one of you two wins it out is going to be the starter, and the other one's probably going to leave anyways, right? But you know what, Eric? That's something that we, we've been on this program about, even dating back to Urban Meyer. And we just talked about it recently a couple of weeks ago is the fact that we seem to miss so many Ohio kids. We don't give enough attention to these Ohio kids. You know, it, I especially agree. when you're talking about that kid you want to take a risk on. Mm-hmm. That that three star kid that you want to take a shot on. Hello, Mayan Williams. Yeah, yep. absolutely. My, go go all the way back. You know, I, I've mentioned him before. Nick Mangold. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's another one. Brandon Lee. Yeah. <laughs> These are all three star guys that played in the NFL from Ohio. Yeah, he's from New Albany, I, I believe. Yeah, he tore your team up, didn't he? Uh, we won't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> he tore everybody up, dude. Yeah, yeah. He uh, he was all right. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a Luke Fickle special right there. And I'll tell you, and I, here's the thing: if moving forward, if we don't clean that up, that's the kid that goes to Wisconsin and absolutely destroys the Big Ten as a Brandon Lee. Yep. Because Luke Fickle is going to take him. I guarantee it. Mm-hmm. Things already punched his ticket, do you? Oh, I mean, they're, they're, right now there are so many three stars in the state of Ohio who Luke Fickle probably already is on a first name basis with. Oh yeah, that that, that we haven't even talked to, that are going to be nightmares for us and the rest of the Big Ten. Straight up. Um, that leads us to our Facebook poll question, and it is an interesting one, guys. Earlier this week, I posed the question. Because not only does Kevin Wilson vacate the tight end uh, uh, coach position or position coach, which we now uh, and all three of us believe Keenan Bailey seems to be and underlying the word seems. I mean, we really don't know 
until we know, right? You, you got to give the guy a shot. He's never been a position coach in college football before, but he seems to be well-respected as we have highlighted. But the other position that he vacates is the offensive coordinator's position. I posed the question out earlier this week. Who would you like to see replace Kevin Wilson as Ohio State's new offensive coordinator? I gave all of you four options. Option number one was current um, offensive line coach and assistant head coach, I believe is his actual title, Justin Fry. Option two was running backs coach and running back coordinator, Tony Alford. Your third option was the wide receivers coach and passing game coordinator, Brian Hartline. And your fourth option was someone not currently on the staff. I'm going to start with you first, Aaron. Who did you vote for and why? So I'm, I went with Brian Hartline. Okay. And the reason is, is because he is such a rising star. He knows this program inside and out. He is, it's, it's like hiring a, an Ohio guy to be the head coach, except it's the, the, the O coordinator. So for me, he understands what it's about. He understands the game of football. He's played in the NFL. He has experience. He wasn't bad. He's not a Hall of Famer, but he wasn't bad in the NFL. You know, he had a, he had a couple good seasons, I believe. Um, but I'll be straight up with you guys. I am not entirely sure that I'm not going to say it doesn't matter because Ryan Day is going to be calling the days uh, uh, plays, but I think that it's it's more about. Who is the most knowledgeable on what they're looking at so they can advise Coach Day on what to call? And I think that Coach Brian Hartline is – I feel like he's the guy to do that. Well, he does have an advantage over Tony Alford and Justin Fry, and that is he played in the NFL. Right. More recently. Right. So he probably speaks more of that NFL language Mm -hmm. that Ryan day is accustomed to for spending a couple seasons in the NFL. If I'm not mistaken, Brian Hartline was still a wide receiver in the NFL when Ryan day was a quarterback coach in the NFL. Yeah. I think Hartline was in Miami when coach day was in Philadelphia. There you go. I I think you're right with that. I know. And I know Ryan day also followed over to San Francisco for a season too. Uh huh. So there, there's a probably a very good chance that they both were in the, in the league, um, when when one was playing and the other was coaching. And so there's there's definitely a, uh, knowledge base together there that I don't think Justin Fry and Tony Alford possess when it just comes to the NFL world, which when which speaks to maybe more of what you're saying, Aaron. If 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 Brian Hartline goes up to the booth, which I assume he will now, and be the eyes in the sky for Ryan Day, that they're going to be able to communicate what they're seeing um, just based off of NFL lingo. That's just my two cents. Yeah, Chris, what do you think, buddy? Yeah, I'm not going to say that Brian Hartline should be the next offensive coordinator. I'm going to tell you he will be the next offensive coordinator. Guys, our best recruiter. He was bumped up to the passing game coordinator last season, I believe, to prepare him for this. In fact, you know, you and I talked about this earlier this week, Eric. I firmly believe this had already been decided, and that's exactly why he did not take the job at Cincinnati. And, and, you know, Freeman and Fickle, two of the rising stars that were 
thought to be potential names to, you know, maybe succeed Ryan Day are both now at big name programs. I believe this is the first step in Ryan Day grooming his own heir. The guy is an offensive minded coach, just like Day. He's a great recruiter. He's a younger guy, which and Aaron mentioned he's got NFL experience. It's going to make him more relatable to these kids. Uh, his unit has produced at an elite level since he's took over the receiving room. Yeah, I, I think he's got to be the guy. I think the bigger question is if he does become the offensive coordinator and will he still continue to coach the receivers or might we hear some smooth jazz playing in the shoe? Ooh, nice. Ooh, that would be sick. Chris, dropping a bomb on everybody. Okay, okay, you just you just got my uh, spidey senses tingling there. I had not thought of that, Chris. He's and down for, there at uh, was it Arizona State? Ar- Arkansas, He's the wide receiver Arkansas. coach right now. No, 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 Arkansas, isn't he? Arkansas yeah. State. Yeah. Okay. So, um, all right, let's back up the soul train here because literally, I just got goosebumps. So for all of you who are listening to this who you don't know who Chris is talking about when he said smooth jazz, Kenny Guyton was one of – if yeah, one of because we're not going to call him the greatest backup in Ohio State history because that title belongs to one Cardale Jones. But smooth jazz or Kenny Guyton was the backup quarterback under – Terrell Pryor. Terrell Pryor and who? Braxton Miller. Braxton Miller. Thank you. There it is. There was a game against Purdue. We are losing. Braxton Miller gets injured. Kenny Guyton comes in, leads us back to getting a tied game, sends it to overtime. We win it in overtime against Purdue. Um, one of the greatest comebacks in Ohio State history. That that happened with Kenny Guyton. Um, I I want to say a couple times in the in the undefeated 2012 season. Kenny Guyton stepped in for Braxton Miller a couple yes. times during that season, and we would not have been undefeated if not for his steady hand at the quarterback position. No one's going to ever call Kenny Guyton one of the greatest quarterbacks in Ohio State history. He never got the opportunity to start. However, the one game he did get to start, which I believe was in 2012 or 13, I, I wanted the two. It was 13. It was it 13 against California, right? We go out yep. to Cal. We're on the West yep. Coast. He threw six touchdowns, which is still to this day tied for first place all time in Ohio State history for most touchdown passes in one game. He threw six touchdown passes in that game, the one chance he did get to start. Dude was and is a legend, and he has gone on to become a wide receivers coach at multiple locations, including Houston when Tom Herman. Tom Herman, yes. When Tom Herman went to Houston and then on to Texas, he followed him there became a wide receivers coach and now was down down in Arkansas as a wide receivers coach. And if you followed the kind of season Arkansas had, he's doing very, very well for himself. That got me super excited with that idea. Very good one there, Chris. I like that a lot. Chris, your thought or Aaron, your thoughts. Yeah. I mean, I would love to have smooth jazz back in Columbus. I can't help but wonder <clears throat> With his increased responsibility as an OC, you know, is there going to be some kind of drop off with wide receiver play? I, I I can't help but wonder. You know, I would like to think not, but he can't dedicate as much time to the position group if he also has to pull coordinator duties. So just something to ponder. 
Yeah. I, and I think that that smooth. I think Kenny Guyton would fill that gap quite well. If he were to join, we'd have to lose another coach, though. Unfortunately. Well, so technically, you don't have to lose the coach. You could make him an analyst. I understand, but that. Let's be honest. If he's going to leave as a wide receivers coach from Arkansas, he's going to want at least that equivalent position here at Ohio State. Well, no, I mean like a a different coach, maybe one not as I don't know. We'd have to go down the list of coaches that we have on staff because I believe that that FBS is limited to ten on staff, and then Mm -hmm. I I think you're unlimited on analysts. analysts. Yeah, he could become an analyst, but again, is that a step down for him? Is my question. Well, no, no, no. I don't mean Kenny Guyton be an analyst. I mean we find a different coach, maybe. Yeah, so find a find a way to put him on staff is what I'm saying. Like the special teams coach or something. Perhaps, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Um. <clears throat> very good. So I take it then, uh, Chris, that Brian Hartline is who you voted for. Oh, absolutely. Okay. All right. So let's look at the results for this because they were interesting. So let's start with who got the least amount of votes. That would be the running backs coach, Tony Alford. He received three votes. And by the way, this was the most voted on poll we have ever had on the OHIO podcast. Tony Alford received three votes, uh, which was 2% of the votes. Justin Fry, our offensive line coach um, and running backs coordinator, running game coordinator, he received 3% of the votes, and that was 10. 10 people voted for him. Coming in third with 28 votes or 9% of the vote was someone not currently on the staff. And there were some notable names who are notable listeners who voted for that. Robert Allen was one of them. Uh, Martin Arthur was one of them. Um, the page Michigan Sucks was, was one of those people. Love that page. And then overwhelmingly, 86% of the vote or 255 people voted for Brian Hartline. So this, let me ask this question. Let's – Let's um, give our prediction here. When the season is over, who will be named the next offensive coordinator at Ohio State, Chris? Oh, it's Hartline. I don't even know. They wait till the end of the season. Aaron? I think it's Brian Hartline, and I think that they will get through the CFP simply because Kevin Wilson has said as much that he will dedicate his time to get them through the CFP, and then he will handle his responsibilities at Tulsa. So there are a couple contracts, I believe, on this coaching staff that end on December 31st. So, um, which is, by the way, the uh, when the, the uh, Peach Bowl is. So come January 1, if we lose that game, there may be some positions opened. Um. If we win that game, obviously they will extend everybody's contract through two, at least two more weeks to get to the national championship game. Um, and then some possible decisions might be made. I'm not ruling out that someone else from our staff might be plucked. Cincinnati obviously went after Brian Hartline. Um, that was made evident. Uh, and that was the biggest rumor. 
and as you pointed out, Chris, and he he said no. And I think a, a big reason for that is they already knew that he was going to have that OC position. So is there anybody else on this staff that you might be worried could end up getting plucked by another coach or vacant position in college football? Aaron, any any other vacancies that were you? Any other coaches on the staff that were you that could be leaving? Mm. I, you know, I feel like the defense is pretty short up. The offense, I don't, I don't think so, man. The only one that I could picture really leaving is Tony Alford, mm-hmm. and even him, even him, I'm not so sure. So, but if I had to name somebody, it would be him. Okay. Well, where he goes, that's I. That's anybody's guess. I don't know. He's wanted to be a head coach. So, but his his alma mater is Colorado State, and they've never given him that opportunity. And I've I, I've been on record saying, if the Rams would ever offer him, he would go because that's his alma mater. But well, let me throw this at you too. You know, Deion Sanders out there at Colorado now. He's plucking coaches from all over the place. He's raided the SEC recently. I don't think he's hired a running backs coach yet, and Tony Alford's pretty respected. So maybe he comes calling. I don't know. I don't know that Alford would leave, but I mean that's a, that's you know Colorado's pretty hot program right now by name simply because of primetime. But that's you know I I, I think that's a possibility. Yeah, and, that, and, and to be clear, that's just us speculating. There is no yes. There's no rumors yeah. or nothing out there or any smoke at all. That's just us speculating. Yeah, but that's just a simple. Simply a possibility, nothing yeah, more. And that's a good one because let's let's be honest. If he wants to eventually become the head coach at Colorado State, his alma mater, Boulder's a, a lot closer there than Columbus, Ohio. Indeed. So there's that. Chris, anybody on this staff that might be plucked by another staff? Well, I think there's a combination of things that could happen. I mean, you've got obviously, I think Alford is is a possibility. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's as a head coach or maybe a coordinator position, but you know, we got to look at our, our our defensive backs coach here who just came up from Cincinnati. Is there a possibility he would return to Cincinnati in a coordinator position? Okay, say that again. Who? The the safeties coach who just came up from Cincinnati. Oh, oh, uh, is it Eliano? Eliano, thank you, Perry Eliano. Yeah, I mean that that's always a possibility. Maybe Cincinnati tries to get him back. He had great success yeah. down there. He did, he did. Uh the, um, the other one I was, that I would I, throw what, out there, Eric. What about he, Wisconsin? I mean, he did coach with Yeah, he coached with Fickle. With Fickle. Absolutely. And and not so much being poached, but guys, there's gonna come a day. Larry Johnson. Where Larry Johnson just yeah. said, guys, that's enough. I've been doing this long enough. And it's time for me to walk away. And yep. we are at that point now where I think he, he's almost on a year-to-year deal at this point. Yeah. Oh, he has said such that he's going to coach until he no longer has the desire to do so. Um, and it, here's the thing. I've watched him in, in pregame warm-ups when we get the chance to go to the game, Chris. Yeah. He's just as young and spry acting as he oh, he's was fiery. 10 years ago. Yeah, he's fiery. There's no doubt about that. And I still remember the COVID year when he had to fill in for Ryan Day up in East Lansing. One and oh, baby. How the team 
rallied around that man. You want to talk about an injustice in college football, and I'm not talking uh, because of his skin color. I'm talking about the talent that man had. How he never became a head coach is beyond my comprehension. Did he maybe just not want it? That's true, possibly. That's pop, but he would he would have made a he would have made a great head coach, dude. Oh yeah, yeah. All right, absolutely. that's enough uh, coaching carousel talk for for now. Let's go ahead and make a wrap on that. Take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, guys, we've we've got to do it. We've got to finally open up Pandora's box and talk about the NIL. The OHIO Podcast is brought to you by Mastermind. Mastermind specializes in 360-degree high-definition mobile video mapping, GIS integration, and traffic safety studies. Mastermind cares about traffic safety and keeping you safe on the roadway. Visit Mastermind at OnlineMastermind.com. And we are back. So, guys, earlier this week, I'm sure you've seen it, Gene Smith, athletic director at The Ohio State University, came out and basically begged alumni, fans, and local businesses to step up their game as it pertains to NIL dollars. Now, since we don't reside in the SEC and we kind of do follow the implied guideline, since there really is nothing as it pertains to NIL, NOSU does not make direct payments to athletes. He's asking for support through one of the three collectives that manage the NIL for Ohio State. Those, of course, being Cohesion, the Foundation, and the O Foundation. Uh, these groups are the guys that you know connect student athletes to NIL opportunities, so they can maximize their earning potential, uh, potential while they're in school. Now, the university's previously expressed concerns about falling behind some schools, specifically those offering the direct payments to players under the uh, and recruits under the blanket of NIL, a practice which is not permitted by NCAA rules, by the way. Uh, Gene Smith came out earlier this week and issued a statement during which, as I mentioned, he basically was begging for NIL dollars. Ryan Days previously stated that just to keep our roster intact, it was going to cost $13 million uh, this upcoming season. Now we've got rumors circulating that the Buckeyes could lose a running back because of NIL dollars being offered by another school. So I've heard complaints since this statement came out, a lot of people questioning why the university that has this much revenue coming in off of its football and basketball programs can't seem to produce the money NIL needs. So I guess my first question, guys, would be, what is your take on how it looks in general for our athletic director, the, the athletic director of a major program like the Buckeyes, to be out there begging for money? Second, I, I think we need to kind of see if there is a complete lack of oversight by the and guidance by the NCAA, why doesn't Ohio State just you know play by the same rules everybody else is, which is to say – there are no rules. And finally, what do you think is the solution to prevent collusion between underhanded programs and unhappy players or recruits? Eric, I'm going to start with you. Why don't you jump in? You know, what what is it 
that you see when you see Gene Smith out there begging for money? It looks desperate. It looks very, very desperate. And that leads me to believe, and I'm justified in what I posted earlier today, that Ohio State is losing the arms race when it comes to NIL to the schools in the South. We already knew going into the season that Texas A&M dished out millions for their recruiting class. So much so that there was remarks made by Satan himself down in Tuscaloosa that uh, there was some cheating going on over there in A&M land. And uh, he didn't like it none, being that he's ran the roost when it comes to uh, the SEC. Um, we, we, knew, we knew in this offseason heading into the season that there was a lot of, um, shall we say, promising being made to recruits that both Ohio State as well as Georgia and Alabama were after uh, from the Tennessee Volunteers program. So much so that we were afraid that we were going to lose one of our five-star wide receivers to them because they were definitely picking up steam in their recruiting class, which why in the world were all these five stars all of a sudden wanting to go to Tennessee? And it wasn't because of their most recent success, because this was before the season really even began. And it was because they were being promised millions of dollars in NIL deals that were not being promised to them in other places. You have the University of Miami, who's literally come right out and said, we have million-dollar contracts for top-level uh, top recruits if they want to come and play for the Hurricanes. You have, I believe, down in Aaron's uh, state of Texas, where they basically are paying any offensive lineman, what is it, five uh, $50,000? Or something like that to come I, to Texas. I think that's yeah, that's just a sign on. Like that, yeah. that's not anything to do with them. NIL. That's hey, if you want to come here, we'll give you fifty grand on top of whatever else you get. So, so, which is is not the, it, which again is not supposed to be what NIL, NIL was all about. So I wrote the following statement and got a lot of heat from uh, some of the fans on our page. I said, in my opinion, Ohio State is losing the arms race when it comes to NIL and could set the program back for years to come if they don't jump in the sludge with both feet and start slinging it with the SEC for recruits. All the rumors you are hearing about potential current players leaving is because they are being offered lucrative NIL deals from other schools and the negotiations with Ohio State is breaking down. Gene Smith and Ryan Day aren't willing to do what they are doing in the SEC uh, and in the ACC for that part. Throw the rule book to the side and go all in. At this point, the NCAA has no legal leg to stand on when it comes to recruiting and the transfer portal. Both have become an all-out Wild Wild West gunfight, and Ohio State is just shooting blanks at this point. Here's my belief. I believe Gene Smith and Ryan Day are so afraid to get in the, the, the mud with these other schools and make promises about NIL deals that number one, they know aren't true. I mean, let's be honest. Some of these promises, these kids are being made are just not true. They're going to get to these programs and they're going to be like, where's my bag homie that you promised me. And and, and it's not going to be there. It was just a empty promise to get them there. 
Um, that's number one. And I think the reason why they're so afraid to do that, Chris, is because let's be honest, there is a microscope on the Ohio State program. And it seems like when any, whenever there's anything that might be considered inappropriate or on on the bounds of not being uh, uh, within the parameters of NCAA, those violations seem to get blown so out of proportion at Ohio State that it hurts our program. And so they are trying so hard to lead a clean program that they are unwilling to do what it seems like most of the schools in the South with money are doing. That's my two cents. Okay. So Aaron, what what do you think as far as, as I mentioned, we've got, and Eric touched on it, there's a complete lack of oversight and guidance by the NCAA as it pertains to NIL. Why doesn't Ohio State just do it? Is it simply what Eric said, where they're just afraid to get caught up? Or do do we just not, I I mean, I I don't know. I'm looking for your input as a former, you know, player and coach. What what is it that uh, is keeping us from from getting in there? Dude, uh, no – Pun not intended here, but that really is the million dollar question. You know, I I, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. I, I don't know if it's what Eric said, you know, because, I mean, he's right. We do have seem to have a magnifying glass. Anytime we stub our toe, it's, you know, well, they tried to kick me. So, it, you know, whatever. So it, it's I don't know. I, I wish that I had that answer. Um, Gene Smith asking for money. The word desperate is what came to my mind as well. Why would an athletic director at one of the largest universities, not just in the U.S., but in the world, why would he come out and say something like that or make a plea like that? You know how many donors and alumni we have? It's insane. We're everywhere. You know, they say Ohio State fans travel well, but I don't think it's so much that we travel. It's just that we're everywhere. Yeah. You know, um, so I don't know. I, I really don't. I'm, I'm kind of like at a loss for words in how this all plays out, because like I understand Texas A&M, you know, they, they got a little oil money like that's just a lot of engineers come out of there. It's it's big money down here with oil, as, as everybody knows, you know, so I don't know if that plays a factor in A&M doing what they're doing. Um, you know, Texas over here in Austin, they, you know, that's, that's a lot of big business over here in Austin and Waco and places like that. So I, I don't know. I don't know what the deal is because I mean, we are as tradition steeped as any program that's ever existed in college football. Ohio state is a brand just the same as Alabama, that team up North USC, uh, any of those type of programs, you know, we are a blue blood. So I really don't know why that's the case. I, I, you know, you guys have heard of NIL, uh, and I don't mean just the policy. I mean like the company in Columbus that's ran by Zach Beebe. Yeah. Well, I went, I went to high school with Zach Beebe, so I know him pretty well. We played on the same high school team together. He's a year above me. He graduated in 06. I graduated in 07. Very cool dude, very down to earth. His brother Vince, just as cool. So, you know, he's kind of leading the charge – I don't want to say with Ohio State, but maybe next to them. 
So I, I don't know. I, I don't know, man. I, I don't know if I can reach out to him maybe and and maybe get some answers. But like I I have no answers. I really don't. You know, Chris, I remember there was a report that came out from 11 Warriors before the season started. Yeah. And it, it was everybody because it was knowledge that Ohio State had spent more and I or more and I, the athletes at Ohio State had gotten more NIL money than any other program in the country. Do you remember that report? Yes. Okay. That report is based on reported dollars. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that, that's well, what you just yeah. nailed it right there. It's reported dollars, which means there there are there are still so much under the table going on. I mean, if that if if I'm an athlete and I see that report come out that Ohio State athletes across the board have made more NIL money than any other university, you know, I of course I'm going to Ohio State, but yet how many of them are we losing to? Why is that? that? Well, you know what, Eric, that's that's a good point, and it just made me think of something. You you said under the table, right? Ohio State's trying to do stuff by the book. Well, by the book means reporting income to tax right yeah, paying right. your tax the only thing better than nil money is tax-free nil money amen sister <laughs> that's exactly what i'm getting at under the table money they are not these guys are getting duffel bags of cash delivered to them not literally figuratively maybe Probably literally. literally too I'll say maybe in some areas i'm sure doing it for the last 50 years <laughs> yeah i would say maybe in some areas but you get what i'm i'm saying here it, you know, it's it, if, if you can give these guys money under the table that they don't have to report to the IRS, you know, maybe Ohio State might be onto something. Maybe some of these other schools get reported for this type of thing, because, I mean, money can't just disappear. There's got to be a paper trail somewhere. So program. Yeah, well, we're you know we may be behind right now, but there may come a time where doing the right thing pays off. So, usually, usually nice guys finish last, though. Let's just be honest here. For right now, for right now. But you're right. Always the optimist. So, guys, what is the solution to prevent the underhanded collusion that's going on between the, these? Let's call it what it is, dirty programs and the, the, the players and recruits that are taking advantage. Can I start? Yeah, because I've actually got an idea on this one as well. Go ahead, Eric. So why is it that the NFL, which <laughs> deals in millions of dollars, well, probably hundreds of millions, right? I almost, I, I would almost say, I haven't looked at the numbers in a while, but I would say the NFL is almost a billion dollar for, uh, they are. entity. They are. Okay. They are. Okay. Yeah. How is it that a billion dollar entity such as the NFL can regulate itself so much better than college football can that they don't nearly have the amount of issues that we see in college football. Let's just flat out call college football what it is. It is a minor league now for the NFL. It always has been figuratively because of the NFL draft, but let's just let's just call it what it is, guys. College football is becoming an a a NFL style with more teams and more more mascots and more players. 
than the NFL, and it is a minor league for the NFL to pluck from. It's time that the uh, that college football adopts an NFL model and gets a commissioner who has a backbone who is able to uphold standards across the board for every single school from the East Coast to the West Coast to make a true even playing field in college football. And the only way that's going to be done is through an NFL-like model with a commissioner. Okay, so they are able to run their program, the NFL is, because – Number one, there's only 32 teams, not 132 teams, you know. So does that that begs the question to me. If we do adopt a commissioner style like the NFL, are we cutting the smaller tier programs? And we're because let's face it, Colorado State, they're not raking in the Benjamins the way Ohio State is or Alabama. So do we separate the power five from everybody else? Yeah. So, yes. so, okay. So we'd have check, to, yeah, check this out. So every, every state, I believe just about every state in our country has divisions, whether you call them division one through six, like we have here in Ohio or class a through class triple a, or some of the other states have it, you know, have different lingo for link language for that. But what they're admitting is that there are schools that graduate more boys than there are other schools and that when it comes time to play for a championship, you should play schools that are graduating similar numbers to yourself to even the playing field. That does not mean that um, you don't play other schools in other divisions in the regular season or in non-conference. But when it comes time for the championship tournament, if you earn your way in, you play even teams. I think it's time that we have two national champions in Division One. I. I believe we have a Power Five national champion and um, group of five. Group of five national champion for for the first time. I think that would be awesome for teams like Bowling Green and <laughs> Ohio University and Tulsa and these other schools uh, to play for a national championship themselves. I think that would be great. Think about how cool that would have been. Now, yes, Cincinnati got to go to the CFP last year. How awesome was that for them? But let's be honest. They had zero chance, guys. Zero. But you don't think (laughs) that they would have loved to have the Group of Five National Championship banner hanging somewhere on their campus? I guarantee they would. Dude, so two things, all right? These high school playoffs you're talking about, you want to win a state title, you got to go to a Catholic high school. That's that's just the way it is. Look at how many Catholic high schools there are. So that's beside the point. Now, my next point is <laughs> nobody cares about a group of five national title. Nobody cares that North Dakota State has won 12 straight. Nobody cares that Mount Union has won 50 national titles in Division Three. I disagree, Aaron. You know who cares? The kids who can't make it at that next level yes and that's it them and their parents so i i what i'm saying is is if if we're talking monetarily or or, or competitively what are we talking here both so monetarily and fan wise nobody cares about anything but power five why do you think you don't see you don't see any other i can't agree with that 
You don't – well, okay. How many times have you seen Ashland play on ESPN or any other channel? They're okay, Division they're like Two. Division two. Get, but how many times have contract. we seen Boise ever, State do it? What do you mean? Boise State's on ESPN all the freaking time, man. Okay, so is Appalachian State. Yeah. And they should be. They're That's good fine. programs, man. They're they shoot Appalachian State beat Michigan, but right now they've got One. zero chance to win a national championship. Right. But that's what I mean. How many viewers – they'll probably get the same amount of viewers that Mount Union and whoever they're playing – well, okay, that, that's an exaggeration, okay? But you get what I'm saying. It's going to be significantly less if they separate Group of Five from Power Five for a national title. Oh, it's, it's just like the NCAA tournament and the NIT tournament in basketball. You know? How many NIT games do you genuinely watch? Be realistic. Zero unless Ohio State's playing in it. Amen. But that's my point. I'm an Ohio State fan. You don't think the Cincinnati fans would have watched the, the Bearcats win a national championship? And, and the well, yeah, of, of, of course they would. But, I mean, everybody watches Ohio State-Alabama in the, in the CFP. A lot of viewers are going to be watching Ohio State-Georgia and that team up north, TCU. If you separate Cincinnati against, uh, against Appalachian State in the group of five – I know the Cincinnati is going to Big 12. Okay, I just take my example. Not that many people are going to watch that. But, but you know what? That's why, you know, maybe it's not on a major network, but that's why we have these smaller networks. That's why we've got 17 different versions of ESPN. There yeah. is a place for them. Absolutely. I'm with Chris on this one, obviously. I I, I believe there's a place for them. Aaron, why do we have the freaking Cheez-It hoopla um, yeah, why do we have 47 bowl games? Yeah. No, I'm with you. I agree. Look, Those should not be bowl games. Nobody bowl gives a damn about the Cheez-It Bowl or the or the, the Red Box Bowl or the Toilet Bowl. <laughs> Nobody freaking cares. They still make money. They make money off sponsorships. Look at the stands. Ain't nobody watching that crap. Exactly. I think I, I agree with you, Aaron, which is why I think this would actually be more popular than our current model. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. The bowl – the 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 bowl season model that our parents grew up in when you won the Big Ten without a Big Ten championship, mind you, and you had one more game, which was in the Rose Bowl. That model is dead, dude. It For is sure. dead. Absolutely. If, and if this not, bowl. Go ahead. If you're, Sorry. if you're not playing in the CFP, how many of these Buckeyes would not even be playing in the bowl game? No, 100 percent. And that's you can that's. And that's kind of a relatively new thing, but I I get what you're saying now, okay? And I agree. I would watch the Group of Five conference over the freaking Cheez It Bowl any day of the week for sure. This was an interesting discussion. We didn't so, play. So guys, way, way to go, Chris. You, <laughs> yes, you know, you've talked about adopting an NFL model, okay? Yes, yes, I did. What if we take these players? And put them under contract when they sign an NFL or an NIL deal. Bing. Well, here's the thing. I mm. think if you – so here's what's and going to happen, And you commit them guys. to three to four years. Give them the yep. exemption if they turn pro after three years. Yep. yep. Otherwise, they are locked into the that university. Yep. And if another coach comes calling, then you can, just you like can in the NFL, yep. you get penalized. You lose, a dra- you lose a scholarship just like they lose draft picks in the NFL. They're not so, going to – but are they going to go with that, though, when they don't have the option of the transfer portal anymore? Well, here's the thing. OK, here's where we're heading towards You're one step. You guys are both one step away from saying it. 
as soon as the universities get to will will pay the pay these athletes from the university, they no yes. longer are um They're student no longer, athletes. Yeah, they become employees. employees of the university. And if they decide that they want to opt out of that contract with that university, then there will have to be um, stipulations placed on that person for breach of contract. Yes. Meaning, when they enter the transfer portal, they should have to sit out one year, which was the rule before. Okay. And reimburse any money that you've been paid in advance. I don't know if they'll have – well, in advance, yeah. I absolutely agree with that. Yep. But they should yep. have to pay back what was given to them while they were there. They were an employee. No, they should that's, have the, that's what we're heading towards, guys. We should be on the committee of this thing. Like, oh, why absolutely. are – we need to be hired, guys. I also think we would be do a much better job in picking the CFP than what they currently have as well. Oh, for shizzle. For shizzle. Although I did, oh. I do feel they pretty much got it right this year, but this for year a change. <laughs> for a right. change, yes. <laughs> all right, guys. So all this nil talk that has us up to our next Facebook poll question. As a Buckeye fan, your current feeling on nil is, and the choices were, love it. These kids could should get anything they can. Like it, but it needs to be reined in. Or hate it, it's ruining college football. Now, guys, before I, I mean, I've got some insight based on our previous discussion. But before I give you the results, I want to get your answers, how you voted. And I want to kind of take a two-step approach here. Aaron, for you, it is as a, I want, I want you to break this down two ways. As a former player and coach at very level, various levels of amateur and semi-pro ball, how do you feel about NIL? And then from a fan standpoint, how do you feel about NIL? So from a player standpoint, I support it because when you think about it, these universities are making millions and millions of dollars off essentially – when you compare it, free labor, and I, it's not free, okay, because I get scholarships and stipends and, and meal plans. I, you know, I understand all that. But when you compare the millions that the universities are making in comparison to what the scholarship and stipend really is, because I mean, the stipend is really it's less than a thousand dollars a month. That's what it was. Oh, I thought it was fifteen. Okay, it might 1, be around fifteen hundred. Yeah. So, but either way, fifteen hundred bucks a month. You know, that's that's not really a great deal of money. But uh, <laughs> when you consider the the amount of hours that they're putting in right. um, and we could like, you know, we could calculate in the, you know, the the scholars, the academic scholarship portion of the money, like what the tuition cost would be. We could probably calculate that in there, too. But when you like I said, comparatively, the millions that the universities are making, I support NIL. I just feel like we got to rein it in a little bit right. as a fan. As a fan, I feel it's hard to separate. I got to be honest. It's hard to separate those feelings because I've been there. So it's it's I, I support as a fan the NIL, and I think it's the fan side of me that says rein it in because it really is out of control because I get a little bit of anxiety halfway through the season when I see things like JSN not playing – and I'm this it's just an example, okay? I'm not saying that he like just 
didn't want to play the season. He made his millions in college, so now he's going to go make millions in the NFL. I'm not saying that at all, um, but but let's be real. That's a thing. Look at Quinn Ewers. Yeah. He came here for a year. He got developed under Ryan Day for a year. Goes down to Texas and does a really nice job. He got a free one thousand or one hundred thousand dollar pickup truck, completely customized for him up in Columbus, and then he moves down to Austin. And you know things like that. You know we pull in these uh, these recruiting classes that are excellent. You know a number one overall class, number two, whatever. And then you know six months later, two or three of those guys that made the class what it is end up somewhere else. And the fan side of me hates that. So I feel like we got to rein it in a little bit. Okay. Eric, again, I want this from two sides from you as well. First of all, as an objective observer, as far as in the capacity of, say, media slash journalist capacity, and then I want your fan reaction. From a journalist, I hate it. I think it's ruining the game that I grew up watching. Um, there's a sense of um, pageantry with college football um, that is glamorized in in the fact that it's a student athlete. I'm talking about like watching the movie Rudy and he's yep. wearing the Letterman jacket type thing, you know, um, you know, it's 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 the bridge between high school, which is I think can be the Friday night lights, if you will. Yeah. The the love of, of kids going out and playing a gladiator sport that will never, ever get a chance to play after the, they turn 18, you know. And then you have a level of all those kids who were really good who get to go on to college. And then you have a handful of them who are exceptional, who then become professional. That we that amateurism of it, the last sense of amateurism of it, that is completely being raped and i don't use that word lightly by um by television markets and big money that was not the case back in those days um as a human being i like it but it, it definitely needs to be reined in um so when i take off my journalistic glasses and i look at this from a capitalist standpoint um and a realistic standpoint of where we are in society and where we're moving toward. I like it, but it definitely needs to be reined in. Yeah, I'm actually with you guys. I like it. I think it needs to be reined in. Um, And it all goes back to our previous discussion. Uh, You know, it's just, it's getting out of control. The portal's out of control. The NIL is out of control. Uh, and we need some type of actual oversight for it. That being said, as, as far as the fan vote goes, in third place, it was love it. These kids should get anything they can at 6%. I kind of found that to be surprisingly low. Uh, number two was hate it. It's ruining college football, 27%. And finally, the, the poll winner by far with 67% of the vote is like it, but it needs to be reined in. So really great question this week. Thanks to everybody who participated. Wow. That was a, that was a uh, fun little uh, show guys. Got, got a little, uh, got a little emotion there. Got some, uh, some disagreement happening. A lot of fun. 
Uh, I hope you enjoyed this week's show. I know it was a little bit different than what we've normally been doing. I mean, for at least the last three months, we've been doing previews and reviews basically every Sunday um, and, and then midweek. And so this was a little bit different, but that's what the offseason kind of uh, provides for us. We will be back in a week. Any news that happens this week that is relevant, we will be discussing that. We will also be doing our bowl season previews next week, guys. So hopefully Aaron and I have a better showing this bowl season than what we had during the regular season when Chris kind of wiped the floor with us. Maybe we'll have – it was rough, yeah. (laughs) Um, This will give us good practice, Aaron, for January 1st uh, when uh, uh, sports betting hits Ohio legally here. So uh, uh, maybe we'll do some illegal betting between the three of us. I don't know. Although I should probably be careful. That worked out so well for you last time. Yeah, I know. I should be careful uh, here. Yeah, Uh, so for legal purposes, Eric said that. Just don't bet on the Buckeyes, please. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like I said, for legal purposes, Eric said that. I did not. Aaron is free and clear. Yeah, oh, yeah. so about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, guys, we thank you so much for listening. Please give us a like, share, subscribe, do all those things. Please give us a five-star rating. That absolutely helps us in the algorithm so that more great Buckeye fans much like yourself can find us when they do a search and listen to us. We are quickly approaching the end of December and the beginning of January, which means after this season's over, this show will go live. That's right. It will be live on Sunday nights on Facebook and on YouTube for your viewing pleasure. Of course, there will be an audio version uh, that will be provided 24 hours later for everybody who doesn't get to listen to it live. But here's the great thing about that, guys. Since we're going live, that means you, the listener, or in this case, the watcher, will get to be a big part of this show and be able to participate during the show with comments. We will also be bringing in a lot of new guests to the show through a really cool technology that we will be using to do so. And uh, it's going to tra- it's just really going to take this show to the next level and really transition us into hopefully a whole new audience. Um, right now, the average age of, of someone who listens to us is in their mid 30s to mid 40s. Um, and we, we appreciate all of you. And if you're younger than that, thank you so much. If you're older than that, thank you so much. We don't care what your age is as long as you're uh, listening and giving us a, a click, right? But we also know that um, things are moving to a more visual medium. And so we want to be able to hopefully reach a whole new audience of Ohio State fans through doing this. So if you listen to the podcast, nothing's going to change. You will still be able to listen to the audio version of the OHIO podcast come January. But if you are interested in watching us, you will be able to do so as well. That's the show for this week, guys. So Thank you so much for listening. As always, be kind to one another. I owe someone's OH and sing Carmen, Ohio with all of your heart. And until next time, OH! Oh, go Bucks! Oh, come, let's sing Ohio's praise and songs through armor while our hearts rebounding thrill. 
and joy which death alone can still. Summer's heat or winter's cold. The seasons pass, the years will roll. Time and change will surely show how firm thy friendship. Oh, yo. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.